Welcome to On the Job with Porak, your go-to place for public safety and officer rights, giving you the news you need to know and discussing the issues that matter. Hi, and welcome to another episode of On the Job with Porak. I'm Brian Marvel, president of Porak. With me today is Porak Vice President Damon Kurtz. Today, we're back on Zoom hosting Sean Shepard. How are you doing today, Sean? Doing well. Doing well. Thanks for having me. You have a great new year? Yeah, yeah. Uh, anything to get out of 2020, you know? <laughs> exactly. Uh, Sean is the founder of the innovative organization known as Game Changer. For the pandemic and forced lockdowns, Game Changer was bridging the gap and facilitating a platform for law enforcement and the community to meet and have an honest and open dialogue. To further solidify the bonds that were made during these discussions, the attendees would join together afterward to enjoy a live sporting event. Unfortunately, after March 2020, everybody knows uh, the entire structure of how uh, Game Changer operated had to pivot to a virtual meeting forum. So we're happy to bring Sean back to get some updates on how the program's going. Thanks again for wanting to uh, do another podcast with us. I appreciate that. Um, I really do believe you have a, uh, a solid program. Uh, it was awesome that you were able to change directions very quickly and uh, take your program to a virtual. So I guess uh, the first question is, how did that work out initially? And uh, where are you at now? So initially, I had no idea what we were going to do. I mean, as you're well aware, all of training for law enforcement just came to a screeching halt. And so there were no agencies in a position to engage in any type of uh, game changer training, whether it was in person or virtual. So I want to say for a good six weeks, I just prayed a lot because I I honestly didn't know what we were going to do. And once law enforcement made the adjustments to the COVID era and things weren't 100% 100% tactical and things of that nature. Then they slowly started to get back into training. My issue was, will folks flock to speak with law enforcement online with no game as a magnet to get them to come to a neutral environment and have this conversation with law enforcement? And really what happened was the Los Angeles Lakers stepped up because they have a gaming team. I had no idea that there was a 2K league that the NBA sponsored. And so our first virtual game changer took place three hours before the start of a Los Angeles Lakers gaming event. And it worked. It has worked out. Uh, it has worked out to the point where we're not even including games anymore because we discovered that people weren't really all that eager to watch people play a basketball game in a computer environment. They were more interested in the dialogue and, and, and expressing themselves and learning from law enforcement. And let's keep in mind, all this was taking place during a pandemic. People were losing their jobs. Some people were getting evicted. Money was was tight if your revenue streams weren't cut off altogether. And during this period of time, we continued to see officer-involved shootings, protests. And so folks wanted answers. They also wanted to, to speak with law enforcement. They also wanted to commune in some way, shape, or form. You know, a lot of people were suffering from from isolation, which, of course, can lead to anxiety and depression and all those other mental health issues. So our model has actually taken off. A lot of doors have opened as a result of our capability to 
to bring members of law enforcement from around the country and community residents from around the country to convene and converse and devise solutions together at the drop of a hat. You don't have to leave your house. You don't have to leave the comfort of your living room. So it's been a blessing in disguise. I, you know, I wish it hadn't happened because, you know, as Damon and I were, were talking, we were on the cusp of Game Changer really taking off in person. We had events scheduled with the Los Angeles Kings, our first event with the Anaheim Ducks. We were going to have our first in-person Lakers event, and we haven't done any of that. Um, we've, we've had to do everything through Zoom, and it's been, um, it's been nothing short of really amazing. I know uh, Porak sponsored uh, a few events and we intend to sponsor some additional events in uh, 2021 uh, for your program. I know with the success of the virtual program, do you anticipate when um, we can sort of get back to normal, uh, whatever that looks like, to have the events again, uh, the sporting events, or do you see your future now lying with um, just strictly holding maybe just the meetings, either virtually or in person, and then moving forward from that? We want to do both. I don't think that we're ever going to eliminate this opportunity to bring people together by utilizing technology. I mean, that's what the technology is for. So we would, best case scenario is for us to augment what we're doing in person with the virtual Game Changer events. I think that the value of bringing people together in person can't be replicated. The environment that sports offers for a neutral situation for us to come together and speak and then to attend the game together. I mean, that's just a lot of bonding that we're missing out on in this virtual environment. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, it's it's hard. I mean, we we even struggle with that here at Porak. You know, we obviously live our lives on Zoom after the shutdown, and and you do miss that human component of that communication. Um, I think it's awesome that you guys were able to transition. For us, it was about be able to get the information out and have that continue doing business. But for you to have that that human component and have that connection where people can actually communicate. Uh, you know, and, and speak about the issues that are going on. And, that you know, this last year was quite remarkable and some of the stuff going on because you had the pandemic on one side, but you also had, you know, certain incidents that it that just evoked so much emotion within the communities and really what you do, helping law enforcement who often are part of the communities and some have the same questions of, you know, why are we doing what we're doing and how, how can we be better? And I think ultimately that's the goal, right? How can we be better? How can we communicate better? How can we be better as uh, you know, as profession, but also as just as neighbors and as community members, how can we be better and how we help our communities move forward? Yeah. And the only way to be better is to walk down that path together. And one thing that law enforcement has not been very good at over over the the decades and centuries is really sitting down with the communities that they serve, all of the communities that they serve, and formulating a strategy of of public safety together, as well as law enforcement. You know, there's there's two components to the law enforcement profession is enforcing the law and then maintaining public safety. Until we come together on a regular basis and go down this road as partners, we're gonna continue to see conflict between members of law enforcement and law enforcement agencies with many of the communities that they serve. I think that there's an opportunity to do that 
I, I think that a lot of eyes have been opened as a result of what took place with in, in Minnesota with the George Floyd killing. You know, it's a shame that a tragedy had to happen in order for there to be change, but unfortunately that's just the way our our country works sometimes. We don't move until something happens that, that forces us to move. So we'll continue to move forward and, and, and be a change agent from a grassroots level. And, you know, to Brian's point, I want to thank PORAC for, for sponsoring several events. And I'm looking forward to continuing that re- relationship and nurturing that relationship. Yeah, thank you. And, and thank you for allowing us to be part of what you're doing. I think it's so important. You know, we're doing everything we can, at least from you know our perspective, to try to have those communications with our communities. How can we move forward with positive conversations, positive reform? You know, make sure it's meaningful and but it doesn't sacrifice, you know, what needs to be done on either side and as far as you know the safety of the officers, but also the safety of the public. I think having that perspective is important and be having the ability to look at it from different perspectives is how we're gonna get to where we need to be. You know, because unfortunately, you know, I know there's some folks who don't want Want us to be there at all, and but the unfortunate part is, is there's there are there is a component of our society who does prey upon our communities, and we need to have somebody there to make sure that doesn't happen. At the same time, we need to make sure that there's safeguards that that doesn't go too far. And these types of communications with our communities, with folks that maybe misunderstood, stand way, what's going on. And then, you know, hopefully helping the, um, our organizations, you know, our police organizations to communicate better. Cause sometimes, you know, what they're trying to do may not be bad, but their communication skills and how they bring that across. And then maybe some of the tactics and what they do really, it, you know, sparks this uh, type of unrest. And maybe it could have been prevented in the first place with better dialogue, better communication, I know here for me locally, you know, you know, we had protests, but they, for the most part, went off very, very uh, um, without incident. But there's been a lot of work done, you know, to have that communication done in the communities, the community leaders. So when it's time for that, for those protests to happen, hey, let's do this. Let's, we're we're, we're going to hear, be here to make sure you get to amplify your voice and do it in a safe manner. But we're, and we're not going to interfere. And it didn't become a, a violent protest because no one was there to try to stop that from happening. It was about letting people, you know, do that. But having those relationships is what made that happen. If we didn't, it probably could have uh, ignited to something that, you know, none of us want to happen. I agree with you. You know, I, I, I often say your budget is reflective of your priorities. And, you know, I've had a number of agencies be transparent and say that they've never invested in law enforcement community relations. So that tells me it, it wasn't a priority to you. And so, you know, to those folks that think that law enforcement should be done away with altogether, I passionately disagree with that. I do agree with reprioritizing fiscal dollars, not defunding, but just taking a look at at how we're investing the funds that we do have in a preventative nature. And in a lot of ways, Game Changer is meant to serve as as prevention, not just de-escalation, but we're trying to get to the point where there is no conflict at all because there's an understanding, because there's a plethora of, of, of knowledge that is shared by both law enforcement and members of the general public so that when the encounter does take place, there's already built in expectations on what I'm supposed to do, what my rights are, what his or her rights are. And I I firmly believe that a a large majority of law enforcement community relations and their interactions can go off without a hitch like a majority of them already do. I just think that we have been negligent across the board 
in getting on the same page before the encounter even takes place. So for example, one of the solutions that we've come up with is to reintroduce rights and responsibility cards into society so that when you're pulled over, you already know what your rights and responsibilities are, and so do members of law enforcement, and vice versa. Right now, we don't have that. And in some cities, like San Diego, for example, rights and responsibility cards were in circulation. And for some reason, probably fiscal reasons, they did away with them. I just think that there's a lot of low-hanging fruit actions that we can take right now that we can implement right now. It just takes decision makers inside law enforcement agencies and our elected officials to move forward. And I, and I do wanna say this, I wanna commend law enforcement for showing up and being present and recognizing that there are problems that need to be solved. I say that because our elected officials have been grossly absent in this process and I think it's incumbent upon all of us to get them involved. It's their job. If they're public servants, like they call themselves, they should be involved in this reform process. They should be involved in not just coming up with solutions, but implementing them as well. I would agree. I, I, it's been somewhat disappointing from you know our elected officials in this process. I, I think folks like yourself and you deal with us on a regular basis and in most law enforcement, they, they want the, the right kind of reform. They want better outcomes. They've always wanted better outcomes, but at the end of the day, you know, our orders come from the top down and, and sometimes that mis miscommunication ends, you know, not where it should be, I guess. But our, our issues with, with the electeds is there seems like they're more about headlines and votes than about substantive changes that are reasonable and fair and good for everyone and not just for getting reelected. And that's kind of, you know, you, you can't placate to one specific corner of the community. It's really got to be all encompassing and taking everybody's perspective and view and trying to do what's right, not necessarily what everybody wants. Because sometimes people think they want something and then the outcome is not what they thought it was. And it just needs to be really well thought out. And sometimes it's a knee jerk reactions, if you, if you will. I think to uh, dovetail onto what Damon said, uh, Sean, have you had any um, elected officials actually attend one of the events? We have had 100 events on the dot. We, we've had 1,500 people participate over the past four years. We're going into our fifth year now. We've had two elected officials participate and only one stayed the entire time. And it's not like we haven't reached out to them. So, I mean, I, I feel like it has to be a collective effort where it's not just our nonprofit reaching out to them. I, I believe that law enforcement, other another branch of government has to hold their feet to the fire because if not, they don't seem like they have the appetite for this to Damon's point. If they're worried about votes, and fundraising, as opposed to solving problems, then we have the wrong people in elected positions. We're supposed to be solving problems. Yeah. So with everything that is currently going on, and obviously the, the vaccines are being out there, and I've read some stories where it said it may take two years just to get back to the way it was prior to the, uh, the COVID-19. How many programs do you anticipate doing in 2021? I know you you are doing this program in several other states. What's your capacity for expansion uh, outside of those states that you currently are doing? I mean, you know, we could actually do two Game Changer events per day each week based on the time zone. So if we were going to do a Game Changer event 
to cater to the East Coast, we could do it. You know, we could start at 10 a.m. our time, be done by 1 p.m. our time, and then turn right back around and start at 3 p.m. our time, which is what we do typically, 2, 3 p.m. Uh, so we have a lot of capacity to engage law enforcement and members of the general public because of technology. So I don't really want to put a ceiling on our capabilities at this point. I'm just looking forward to, you know, the new partnerships that are beginning to, to sprout based on the seeds that were planted in, in 2020. People are still adjusting. And, and, when I, and when I say people are still adjusting, I don't necessarily mean law enforcement. I mean corporate sponsors who, you know, when George Floyd was killed, now all of a sudden they care about what's taking place in-house. How, how are community relations, how are employee relations inside our house? And, and, and what do we need to do to solve some problems that we either knew existed and really didn't feel compelled to do anything about it or you know, some things have come to the surface and now we need, we need to act. A, a lot of companies are still going through that and they don't know what to do. And the good thing is we have had the opportunity to get our brand out there a bit and people are looking at, at Game Changer as a way to come together as a corporation, not just to engage with law enforcement, but I've also been hired to moderate employee discussions, really utilizing the Game Changer model. What are your problems? Get together, come up with solutions to these problems and, and implement them. It's not rocket science. It seems like it, for whatever reason, it seems like it is, but this is just the, the art of communication. What are the problems? Let's devise solutions to them and, and, and implement them. So it's been a great ride. You know, I, and I temper that because I do feel for the people who have lost loved ones and lost their means of gainful employment, but our trajectory is, is a positive one. I definitely agree with you. And again, Sean, I want to I want to thank you uh, so much for coming on to the show. And uh, we look forward to uh, to sponsoring some more events down the road uh, with your organization. You know, having known you for several years now and watching your program develop, I definitely think it's one of the most worthwhile uh, community law enforcement program that I think we have out there. And I really do look forward to the time when you can go back to having the uh, the meetings, the discussions, and then going to a professional sporting event. Um, I think when we first met and talked about that, I think you were spot on. You know, when everybody gets into that stadium, uh, you know, not 100% are supporting that one team, but the reality is the people in that hometown, our majority of them are supporting that home team. And I think that's a fantastic opportunity for people that may never have crossed paths coming together, rooting for a team and enjoying each other's company and breaking bread over that. Uh, but before doing that, having those really hard discussions that need to be had between law enforcement and the communities that we're sworn to protect and serve. So again, I want to thank you so much for uh, putting this together, joining us today. Uh, I really appreciate that. Thanks for having me, Brian. Thanks so much, Damon. Well, this, uh, this will close out uh, this episode of On the Job with Porak with Sean Shepard. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. We'd love to hear your ideas for upcoming episodes. Join us on all our social media platforms and be sure to tag us with your suggestions. Go to porak.org to learn more about California's largest law enforcement organization representing over 77,000 public safety members.
Make sure to check out and share our monthly podcasts and past episodes on porac.org, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, YouTube, and wherever available. Lastly, we'd like to say thank you to all our PORAC members and our nation's law enforcement. Be safe and have a great day. That's it for this episode. Make sure you tune in next time as we discuss the issues that matter. 